Well, I just got this teaching a couple days ago, but I've been going through it for weeks. And it's really exciting because, you know, you're taking in everything that everybody's putting in and redefining, sharpening everything you understand to allow yourself to be free to move with God kind of thing. And and so that's what's been happening. And then I, God said, it's right in front of you. What are you waiting for? It's right there. I've been doing all this time, that good old wax on, wax off thing. And I'm like, oh, dog, you are sly. And so, um, yeah, very exciting. And um, anyhow, so what's cool is, you know, uh, we, we have a lot of tools as a saint. We know about the five-fold, four-fold, three-fold, two-fold, one-fold, whatever. You know, we've we got a lot of definitions and, and precision. Uh, what do you call it? We're sculpted in a lot of understandings. And, and, and it's all totally useless if we can't um, implement it into our walk, you know, and make it part of our life. You know, it's it's something we're trying to prove is real to ourselves, let alone someone else. It's not we're not going to prove nothing to anyone. So we only need to worry about ourselves. And that's pretty much what I'm going to be talking about us and how we need to be absolutely positively confirmed saints of the end time and not doubt a single second or minute of it. There is nothing that is not ready in you. Yes, we're getting ready, and yes, we're preparing and sharpening ourselves, but we are ready. We are prepared. It's a continuous process, in other words. So there's so many ways I got going here. So, But um, I'm going to be talking about different pictures of how God, as agape even, as love, as purpose, is being made real in our lives. And and it's nothing to do with uh, trying to force it or anything. And this is going to be interesting stuff. You'll see. Okay, so um, as saints, we are concentrating on the flow, the process that God is trying to take us through. And one of the comparisons that was made multiple times was to be like a tree. And that was done at the seminar. What's her name? Shay. Shay, yeah. Um, did a beautiful study. She's a botanist as well as a scientist of sorts, I guess. And um, so she is. And um, she did this study about trees and how they process water and make air and give oxygen and how it, it actually comes in and out of us and everything. And what was interesting about that is how many comparisons there were in scripture <clears throat> to trees. We know there's a lot about fig trees. I could have gone off on fig trees because there's just like a hundred of them in the New Testament. But what is interesting is there is a water cycle in a tree. And it, it's not only coming from the roots, but it comes in and out of the leaves as well. And even to the point of in, increasing the potency of the water to making heavy water, which uh, Pastor Ron recently spoke about. But um, all this being said, that whole process of being a tree or comparing to a tree is because it's very difficult to talk about the process we need to go through in order to make this walk real for ourselves, and that is purity. Purity is very subjective to each of us. You know, it's only we can define that for ourselves, but yet we, at the same time, I can see it in other saints easily. You know, I can see that same striving, you know, that we're all doing. And, um, <laughs> One of the nice things about purity is it keeps us separate from our flesh and from the world, which is sort of like what the bark does on a tree. It helps protect the tree, and it also helps keep uh, things from going into the tree. Most, most times, I've had boring beetles take down 19 trees, so I know that's, yeah. But it's also a picture of how, right, it does get weakened that way which we need to get, make sure we don't want to get weakened. And even if we do get weakened, that's what I'm going to talk about. But another assimilation that I, I found in all these studies was this idea that the heavy water was something that was transformed by the tree and given off by the tree. It leaks into lakes and they harvest it from lakes and use it in nuclear plants, which I bet you guys didn't know that. Or did you? Yeah. Yeah, lakes mostly. Uh, mostly in Canada. Here, too. It's a big export. But this refining process 
or self-preservation in a way is not really for, I, I'm going to define it for what it really is. I, I said it's purity and stuff, but it's, it's also for more, which I'm going to get into. All right. So first I'm going to talk about how creation, uh, why creation is this, this picture for us and how it is in a way. I'm setting myself up, so let me do it. <laughs> okay, we're going to go to Matthew 3.10. It's John the Baptist speaking, and he says, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees, plural. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I like this especially because it's plural. Because when we're making a comparison, sometimes we don't think everybody else is tortured as much as we are. And I like to see that this was plural to make sure that everybody knows we're all in the same boat. You might be suffering, but guess what? We know what that suffering is too. So don't, don't, don't close yourself off from us because of that. I just, okay, we're going to keep going. And then now Jesus speaking in Matthew 7, and it's 17 through 19. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A corrupt tree. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. That's really important. Okay, there's a there's a definite. Uh, it's like something you can look for in other people and, and, and in situations. It doesn't mean just because they are doing something evil that that's the end of the story. It doesn't mean we have to label them or anything. I'm not talking about labeling people. This is not what we're doing with this information. Every tree that bringeth forth bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. Okay, it's just showing that what fire is to us as saints is that it's actually an opportunity to move forward and grow from your mistakes. Okay, we're not going to... Okay, I'm just going to go forward. <laughs> Matthew 12 to 33. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. And that's what we are depending on, being known by our fruit. Not being known because we are saying, hey, guess what? I'm doing this. We're being known by the way we walk and the way we are. That's what that reflects. Verse 32 in chapter 13. Which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it's talking about the mustard seed uh, tree, and it is the greatest among er herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. That almost answers what I was just saying about why we are doing this and and why it's uh, something that we have to live to move forward in. Okay, then Romans 11 through 24 is um, a little longer, but it gives a great a simile of how the trees are pictured for us and what they become for us. Okay, well, wait, wait one more second. Okay, so what we're going to be looking at in here is... Uh, how this is a proof for us, an encouragement to move forward and also to change as perspective. And we're going to go through this now. 11, 11 in Romans. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather that through their, their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles or to provoke them to jealousy. That's just what we were talking about. Uh, that if you fall, there's an out for you still. And if not, they are. They do get jealous, don't they? They get mad, jealous, and then they don't want to. They don't want to. Sometimes they have to choose between getting mad and moving forward with fixing the problem in any way that they can, or they can get mad and get retribution in the ways they think they should be doing it, which is bad. Um, anyhow, that's beside. But anyhow, twelve. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and see, I just okay, and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness, meaning. Like I was just saying, they're not going to get anything out of it. 11.13, For I speak to you Gentiles, and so much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and might save some of them. Okay, that part, them which are, is not in the scripture. It's just added to make sense. But if you read it, it would be, I may provoke to emulation my flesh meaning he's showing that he is giving up the things of his flesh. He's saying, I am making a witness out of myself. I am trying to show you by how I live. You don't need to just rely on just what I'm saying. 15, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, 
What shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Meaning there's always an out. Well, there's an out. You got you to gotta go past what you know. There's more. And 16, for the first root be holy, and the lump is also holy. If the root be holy, so are the branches. And holy, we know, comes from the word, I think it's, is this hagios? Holy? Okay. And we know that is that transformation from hag, haggish things, ugly things, to things that are holy, beautiful, wonderful, blessed, blissful, even, you know? And how, who can do that? Nobody can do that but God. Even we can't do that. It has to be something that comes through us that God is using in us to show someone. So we are that. And then 17, if some of the branches be broken off, and though being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the fruit, but the root thee. Okay. That sounds weird. Let's keep going because I'll explain it in a second. That will say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, verse 20, they were broken off and thou standest by faith, not high-minded, but fear. And we're talking about the fear of God, respect of knowing that it wasn't something you did. It wasn't something someone else did, but it was God who was making an opportunity for you, not because of them, but in spite of them. And 21, for if God spared not the natural branches, meaning it's something he does anyhow with everyone, he's always trying to improve our situation and make, he's trying to preserve our mindset and our walk. Take heed, least he also spare not thee, because he won't. He'll definitely want to help you. He'll want to move you forward. He's not going to leave you in your own thinking because our own thinking doesn't have, he made sure our own thinking needs us in a way. <laughs> it really does. Okay. I'm still not even to the main point I want to make, so I'm going to keep going. Okay. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. And if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. Meaning you can't turn yourself away from assuming God is in it for you. But they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again, meaning he's always leaving opportunities for you. For if thou went cut, if thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? And and that is what my whole thing is going to be hinging on that. Because a lot of times, when you think you've, that you've ruined everything and there's no way out for you, you think you're going by definitions you don't fully understand. You're going by definitions that the reason you're there is because you don't have definitions that support what God is doing. You really were never, if you did, you, would be, you wouldn't have chosen to go away from the good vine in the first place. You wouldn't be in the, where does it say? the wild nature, <laughs> you know, you would, you would be, how do I say this? You would be waiting on God. You would be seeking his preparation instead of trying to, to strangle something else for your nourishment. You'd be going after the proper nourishment. And, and when you are grafted out of nature and pulled in, it's another opportunity for you to God is always giving. He's always supplying that environment for you. He's always applying applying an environment that leaves openings and opportunities for you. And when we as saints look at other people, we're doing that for ourselves. We can look at them the same way, that there's always an opportunity being supplied to them. And we're always keeping our mind open to that. And that's one of the things that the end time saint needs to always know that they're going to be walking in, that as trees, it's not just them that's going to be trying to survive, but that we're surviving as a picture for others to see that there is a way to survive beyond what they know. Uh, I don't know if I'm doing good on this or not. Okay. All right. Where were we at? Oh, Revelations. And then this is the verse that Pastor Ron was recently teaching about, and Pastor Larry as well, is Revelations 22.2. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This is also a picture of the tree that 
God's using again, but in a uh, the end time way. He's showing that regardless of the season that we're in, there's always going to be a type of fruit that's provided for that season. He's always has a provision in a way and that even the leaves are being provided for. And if you study trees, the leaves are the place where oxygen comes, where the smallest atom, the smallest uh, supply is given. That's what I, I pictured in when I, when I was doing this, is that, yes, there's water that flows from the tree in different ways, but mostly it's the oxygen and the fruit and the leaves. And when, they, when Pastor Ron was teaching about the healing of the nations, and he was talking about the leaves, I think the biggest thing I got out of that is the leaves allows the tree to be extremely accessible. Its, its powers are accessible and positional, very accessible and positional, meaning we're like the leaves of the tree, and we're being positioned in places that we can be accessible to them to be nourished and healed and made aware of what is, God is doing. And for them to experience the difference. Because if you can't experience it, you only have what you hear. And people don't want to just hear it. They want to see it. But just, I'm going to keep going. All right, let me look back at my note page. Hold on. Yeah. Okay, good. Segwaying. Woo, yay. All right. So now we're going to segue into the next verse, which is talking about wineskins and wine. All right, so Matthew 9, 17, neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break and the wine runs out and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles and both are preserved. So there is a desire to preserve the old wineskins and the old wine. We know that one. And the new wine and the new wineskins. This sort of seems like derp dur common sense. It's fine. But what we're seeing is more than that. It has to do with the ways, the processes that God's using. Um, Pastor Ron taught a few times about the wineskins, and uh, several times. And one of the things he was talking about besides, well, he was talking about the seasons of the Lord and how we receive a new commissioning. And it's like putting on a new garment when you think of the wineskins. And we... Um, relate to them as if it was a uh, garment that is improved, that is enriched, nice, it's fitted properly. It's a new thing that's going to um, uh, make us look good maybe or improve our situation. A new garment is like that. But also the old garment is to be cherished and taken care of still. And yet we look forward to the new thing. We don't simply... Uh, disdain one over the other. A new walk is always like that because we're moving in grace. And when you look at grace, it's something you definitely want to walk forward into. And grace from the past isn't forgotten, but it's not, we don't, we don't look at those moments as our end all. We, we, we're willing to give up the revelation, not give it up, but we're willing to move forward from there and accept what's being built on to its foundation. So, being more sensitive to what God is doing in our, our lives. It is a, hmm, it doesn't match what I'm, my segue, but that's all right. We're, <laughs> we're trying to keep ourselves um, ready for God's next new thing, and we know that requires change. And so when we are uh, dressed in a garment, and whether it's new or old, we want to be ready to shed it off for the next new thing. The next, even if it's a garment or whatever, we want to be able to accept the new thing that God has us to walk in because it's going to be a grace moment for us. Psalm 32, 8 through 11. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as a mule, have, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and bridle, lest ye come near unto thee, at least they come near unto thee. Many sh uh, sorrow shall be to the wicked, but he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall com compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, and ye righteous, and shout for joy. 
all ye that are upright in heart. I think I put this in there because of the segue, and I got it out of, that's all right. So this had to do with maturity, because um, in order to move forward with God, in order to accept something new from God, you do have to choose it over something you feel like you're losing. Like that garment was really comfortable, I don't want to lose it. But you are supposed to be mature enough to say, you know what, it's not that important. I'm going to give it up for what God wants to show me because I don't want to be led around by that garment. I don't want to be uh, misled by that garment. I don't want anything else to lead me but what God has for me in the new thing. And so that's why I think I put that scripture in there. And when we do trust in God and not in the old thing anymore, meaning we move forward with God, we can still trust the old thing. It's just we move forward, got into the new thing, to new understandings. We open our minds, open our hearts, open our minds to learning and being made more mature, more knowledgeable about his ways and how he's moving these other things that are coming upon us, that he's bringing upon us for this reason to keep us moving forward, which we'll always be doing. We don't want to be ever standing still. It is protecting us because, you know, the, the old story is if you sit in a place too long, you'll start to sink in it. And we don't want to do that. And so we do want to keep moving forward. It's like standing in cornstarch and water. You know, you can walk on it forever. But as soon as you stand still, you sink right down into it. So there is an old saying like that. I don't remember what it was. Oh, not a popular one, I guess. If I forgot it. <laughs> I know, I can't help it. I'm trying. Okay, Isaiah 53.6. I'm sorry. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him all the iniquity of us all. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that that's no longer the case. We can now, because of what Jesus has done, we don't have to live in that quagmire anymore. We have the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit come in us and reveal truth to us, give us a branch that we can grab onto and be grafted into that is in a way out. It takes our humility and our submissiveness to to acknowledge that we are not mature, that we're not the sophisticated know-it-alls that we want to be. We're not. We're, we're more than that. We're the sophisticated partners of God. And another thing about the tree that I mentioned was the heavy water. Oh, go ahead. Gonna change. I, I was just going to make the analogy uh, between something. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie The Hunger Games. but um, Some of it. They were doing some kind of marathon this weekend on cable where they were running the whole series through. And I had it on while I was eating dinner, and the boys came over. And uh, Josiah had read all the books, but he'd never seen the movies. And he was like, oh, wow. I didn't quite envision it this way. Because, you know, when you read a book, you've got it. Yeah, yeah. But one thing I caught in the midst of that was I never caught before was the fact that they were calling the ideal city that the people were rebelling against the capital city, the ideal city that they wanted was Panem. And, and I thought, why does that word, Panem, why does that word sound so familiar? Faith. And I thought, it's a play off of Panem, which is to turn towards God, but they were talking about turning towards their own way. Ah. Even though it was supposedly the good hats. You know, I know all these dystopian movies are all really about what they're trying to do, what the enemy's trying to do in the world. Right. They've just been flaunting it. You know, and regardless of all of that, I just thought that that was an interesting connection there that even when the, girl, the world tries to present good to you, it's still about their own will, not about Right. Turn. And it's hard to accept it. Your pride moves in so quick and so hard. It's hard to accept that something else is better. Like, I didn't know that. Oh, I must be failing. I must be terrible. I, I don't have good judgment or I can't do it because what, I didn't know that. What is it about our nature, some of our natures that make us look at it that way? Because I remember when we first came into this walk and I was sharing this, trying to share this with beloved family <laughs> and one of one of them said well this is making me feel like i'm not even a, a christian and i thought why would it make you feel that way why i've been messing up you, all these years yeah but why would it not make you feel like oh there's more that i've been missing i mean it's it's a glass half you know what i think it is i think it's their feet i think they that thing like i said about the cornstarch i think they thought hey look at i'm standing really well here they're not moving forward 
And their feet are looking good. Look at that. Woo! They're looking at their circumstance. Never considered that they need it to move forward. Right. Because you you already know. Not considering what that means to move forward. And isn't that interesting? When God and Adam and Eve were in the garden and stuff, and uh, Satan came, comes to trick them about the tree and stuff, and that's a tree. Pastor Ron did good on that. Uh, but that he, he was a snake, you know? He wasn't even touching the ground. But he was showing them how they could maneuver, you know, how they could, how could they re- reposition themselves without moving forward, really? And um, slink around this tree. Look what I can do. And look at this tree. You won't have to move forward with what God's doing because, you know, that's work. That's going to cause you to think. And without the partnership with the earth that God created. Yeah, that too. Which is interesting because that's what I'm going to go into next is there's a partnership that the earth is giving us. The earth is giving us these lessons, like the tree. It's giving us a comparison to see God, really. And that's what the whole earth is groaning to do all the time, I think. Good point. Good thing you said that. Now I'm going to talk about Mary and Jesus in John 2, which is the wine being turned into, the water being turned into wine at the wedding. Boy, what better proof is that, right? You think. But Jesus did in such a way that it was only for the select to glean. And anyhow, we'll read it. Uh, John 1 through 5. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, this is the third day, so they've been drinking wine, because the guy says later, this is the better wine. So they've been drinking wine. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, so they're there having a good time. Jesus is having a good time. He's parting with his family. He's very close with God. He's never not been close with God. He knows what it means. And they're having wine and having a good time. And she says, oh, they're out of wine. Well, can't you have a good time without wine? Right? Mm. Okay. <laughs> Mary, Mary, who is a mom. Thank you very much. Do us moms know what that means? I will fix the problem. I will make sure this is not a problem because I have it in my head what needs to be done. And I am smart enough to know that my son has really cool relationship with the Almighty that can behoove us at this point. And not only that, he's done it at home. (laughs) She must have seen some stuff at home. I mean, 30 years and he's with God. There's been some blessings. There's been some action at home. Something, you know, he's, she's been seeing it. I'm mom. I'm the mom. I know. They have no wine, you know. <laughs> Jesus, they have no wine. They have no wine. Nice and loud. Nice and loud. Everybody, I'm telling Jesus, you know who he is. We have no wine. I'm just saying. She said it out loud. She didn't come over. It doesn't say she went, Jesus. You know, it wasn't. I don't think she was shy about it. I think she was very, that was it. I'm mom. Do this. You know, I got the, I know what you do. I know who you are. We've done this before. Come on. We've had this little thing before where we argued about whether or not you should do something, you know, about this. Whatever problem it is. Jesus said unto her, woman, and that's not a derogatory term. It says, I've looked it up. And, 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 and Ron, Pastor Ron taught on it. And he says he wasn't sure, but he thought it wasn't a derogatory. It isn't. Actually, it was a compliment to call it. I don't, I don't, I didn't read, understand the whole Jewish part. I didn't go into all that because it started to get long, but it's not an insult. He said, woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. So according to Pastor Ron, he knows he was doing this. He knew that Jesus was waiting on God all the time. He was always in that walk. That's the walk we are in. We are in that walk. We are always waiting on God. And it didn't take them a second. Both of them, both Mary and him, they, they knew it wasn't about what he said. They knew it was time after that point. Since she said it, she declared out loud, he confirmed it, but yet he didn't in the same move. He meaning, if you're going to say it out loud, I'm going to declare that it has to be of God. 
You know, he's not going to give any, her any credit. He doesn't want this to be seen as a thing of men. He's not walking this walk to show that men can do this. He's walking this walk to show that it's about God. And it's also about bringing God down to ordinary moments as well, which is a mama in spades, okay? <laughs> All the time, Lisa, huh? All right. <laughs> Daughters and moms totally know what I mean. All right. So where was I? Okay. My hour has not yet come. And his mother said unto the servants, you're right. Whatever he says unto you, do it. And they did. And it was the best wine they've ever had. This is where we want to be. We don't want to be, as Pastor Ron said, with a bunch of dough and no leaven. It ain't going to feed the tribes, okay? <laughs> we want to have the power of God with us. It has to be of God. It's not going to be our leaven. It's going to be God. We have to wait for God to give it, to put us in that position where we can bring the leaven in, where we can be in that position to uh, rise in the moment, to be the warrior that God needs. We don't just be a warrior randomly. We're waiting to be the warrior. We're preparing and it's a continuous process. We're not bored and waiting around and going, I wish God would uh, come down in a helicopter and save me off this house that's being flooded. No, we're doing proactive things. We're doing things to help make sure that we're seen on that house and whatever I'm declaring out loud, I'm praying, I'm doing stuff, I'm doing stuff. So let me check my notes. So even Pastor Ron was mentioning too, I thought this was interesting, that filling the jars... You know, if we're asked of God to do something that seems sort of silly and you know there's a problem, oh my gosh, there's no wine. This, this whole wedding is going to be like a, a shame and it's going to like curse their whole future. You know, if we don't kick this up a notch, it's only the third day and we got four more days to go. And what are we going to do? I don't know. God, well, Jesus just said, fill those jars with water. I don't think that's going to help. <laughs> water ain't going to kick it. It's going to make them sick, if nothing else. Have you ever had water, a lot of water after wine? I don't know. Just Yeah. <laughs> I don't drink that much, but with a tiny tummy now, it really has an effect. But drinking water after it just won't kick it. Anyhow, but so they are pulling these jugs full of water and walking forward with it. They don't know nothing. They're just doing what they were told. And that allowed God to move in a way that weeded out who would attach themselves to the vine, who would be the branch that, that who would graft it, thank you, who would graft into what God is doing. That is how God wants us to be as saints. He wants us to portray in a way that allows people to choose if they want to graft into what we're doing. Do they want to graft in and partner with God? They see that God is working in us. Do they want to join in? Do they want to be grafted in as well? We can't do it for them. We can't make them choose. And they need to know that. And we can do that by showing them. And another interesting point is when he says, the hour is not yet come. That is a transitional moment that we are recognizing as a warfare strategy. Because we're living this life, and we're joyful about it, but we're always preparing the way to partner with God. We're always looking to Jesus as our brother who's giving us the example. And when we want to be engaged in what God is doing, and it looks like warfare has come, we don't look at it from an earthly standpoint anymore. We're not looking at it like warfare, like you think. We're now looking at it as jumping out in front of the army and singing. We've totally transformed how we respond to warfare strategies. So I think Jesus enjoyed every minute of this. To him, this was the best party ever. You know, he got to enjoy watching people come alongside what God was doing to see if they recognize it as God. That is what he lived for. That's even on the cross, that is what he lived for. Every moment he was that way. We need to be that way. We need to be ready to enjoy that, be that sweet savor with God, and also to release it and, and not worry about, does it look like a battle? 
that's nice. I'm going to sing and praise. Bye. See ya. <laughs> you know, it has to be our frame of mind. And that's what our brother was teaching us. Jesus, by the way. Okay. So we're assuming God in all things. And we're also being perfectly expectant just as much as Mary was. Really. We're maybe not so ambitious, but that's okay. God used it. God used it. He totally used it. Okay. I'm passing up a lot. Good. All right. So we have water turned to wine. And during the week, it reminded me of different things that we see water and wine being used in the scripture. One of the famous ones was where Jesus was on the cross and they poked his side and water and blood came out. It wasn't mixed up. They could tell water and blood. And so when I read and did the study of what we just talked about, it reminds me of that. And it reminds me that there's, this is how a tree operates. It separates things through those layers. And if we are really like the tree and we're really trying to process as God wants us to, he's really trying to teach us that we can be pure, that there's a purity that, that we allow the blood of Jesus to come over us. We call it the sprinkling of his blood. It's in scripture. I didn't put it in here. <laughs> But if we allow that, we can be in those both those places with the Lord. We can be that water and that wine, the blood that turns water to wine that bring that brings the change to people. Um, we can also stand in the wineskin wherever whatever stage we're in. We can still stand. We don't have to look for another. We're just as we are. For old wineskin, that's fine. Stick with it for that moment while God's doing his thing. You're the warrior. Go out and praise. Stick with it. So it's what I call the economy of the spirit in us. We're making do with what God is giving us. And he's providing everything around us all the time. It's like our opportunity. We're totally gleaning what the world is. We're gleaning from the scriptures, yeah, all the time. We're gleaning, woo, and we process it, and we write books, and this is great. But the world, and we have each other. We glean from each other. It's something we're doing, and that's what a tree does. It takes its environment, all forms of it, from the earth, from the air, from the sun. It's taking it in. We're really like trees more than we know. It's really cool. I just love that I saw that. So, all right, moving on. Oh, and another interesting note, I, I, should, I would have said it earlier, but if you study about Mary, you'll see that she had a savvy, like I was talking about, all the, her whole life. Even when she was pregnant, even when she, the, the, Jesus was born, she's always like, oh yeah, let those wise men come in. Oh yeah, do this. Oh yeah, do that. She already, she knew. She was totally the, the one already prepared, you know. More than her husband, maybe. You know, he was prepared in a different way. And it was his job. And that's what he was prepared to do. And that's a good thing. And we need to accept that in where God puts us. That there are people that are in different, no, I got it, different places that can do that for us, for God, and for our situation. And we can't be judging it. Same thing with the wineskins. Just because they're still wearing an old wineskin doesn't mean God isn't still using them. They might not be moving forward like you think they need to do, but you need to be looking for what God is using to open up a forward movement, whether it's a tiny little step or not, whatever. We got to be that. All right. Okay. Another segueing part. So when Jesus said his hour had not yet come, uh, Pastor Ron did mention that it's mentioned nine times in scriptures. I could not find it. I did find references around near it that sort of make me think of it, but it wasn't it was wasn't defined enough for me to add it to the study, and I really didn't have room or time to add it in. But it was a thing that uh, Jesus said a lot, so he sort of recognized that um, the knowledge that he had of time was not like we think. It's more of a quickening like a recognition of God being around us and doing things. It's not like uh, you normally think like, um, well, I'll get to it in a minute. Um, let me just get to my point and that'll explain it. He knew that he was going to die and, and he knew it was for eternal life and for the kingdom to come. And he performed miracles and did all these things. And he knew he had a certain time. And that reference to saying his time didn't come was really him saying, I'm prioritizing what God wants to be done, and I will not hurry things along because of any other reason. And so 
if you look in scriptures and keep your mind open to seeing that, you'll see that he is always positioning his word, his verbiage that way, and the way he responds to people, whether they're the disciples or regular people. I just saw that a lot. I got like about seven scriptures here, but I'm not, I didn't put them in there because of that reason. It was too long. All right. Okay. Miracles. There are, miracles are great, but they are only, uh, speaking of time, moments of seeing uh, eternal purpose coming to a conclusion for just a moment. It's not like a, it's not what we're looking for as saints. We are looking for the flow of God. We, we are the ones who are wanting to be the sweet savor to him. We want to be what Jesus enjoyed in, in being human as well, which was to flow with God. He enjoyed that as, as, as we saw in the, the wedding, you know, um, I think you guys saw that. <laughs> and, um, the wine had failed to, for the, the needs of the festivities there. The wine failed the wedding. It was God, which is what humans do. We fail things all the time. But Jesus moved the situation, moved the room, and made it so it was now eternal and a divine solution that God always does. And it always brings joy. It does. It brings joy every time. And there are situations that are in the scriptures, which I didn't list because of time, where some people didn't see the joy in it. And they took off, or they yelled at him about being doing the wrong thing, or, or Peter and Paul, and they, oh, you can't do that. You know, you just told Jesus that too. So it is a gleaning of a person's soul when these miracles happen, but it's not our end-all game. We know that that process is continually going on, and we're working to keep that flowing forward. So yay for the miracles, but that's not going to distract us or, or, or get in our way, Okay. <laughs> All right. I did that. So it's God's partnership coming alive in us that is getting us excited. It's sort of like that water being made into heavy water is something that is invisible but being done to the water. It's something that is making more out of what is seen. You don't see the water changing. You don't see it until you touch it. And, oh, I have some interesting facts about heavy water. Did I already say them? I don't know if I did. Oh, my, I erased it and didn't put it on here. Well, okay, heavy water has this thing that begins with a D. I forgot that defines it. But they use it for um, nuclear waste uh, to pull off the nuclear bad atoms and preserve them so they can get rid of them and dump them. But you can actually drink heavy water. But if you drink too much, it could kill you. Um, if a whole lot, or it could just deplete your atoms because it can suck the energy out of you. And that is my segue to talking about interspace. <laughs> I don't know if I have any other scriptures before that, but um, do I? No? Okay, okay good. Well, interspace is um, literally what it sounds like. It's the, the space between atoms. It's usually called black space, the vacuum of space, or something like that. And there, there are several concepts or theories about it. It's called quantum physics. And that's where you're measuring the condition or state of a quantum particle, like an electron, and can instantly change the state of another electron, even if it's light years away. What? That can't be. This really perplexed I, um, Albert Einstein. And he suggested that you can... Uh, not travel faster than light. But they are, here they are proving that that's not the case. So the, all these scientists started through the last 80 years or so trying to figure out how this can be. Why is this happening? Why are we able to do this? Measurements and, and the, why is this happening at the same time, you know, and it's millions of miles away. And so they came up with several theories, and there's four of them so far. And one is listed in number one through four on your paper. I'm not going to go through them all. But the point being is that each of these theories have a, a, a perspective that they haven't solved, that they're not totally convinced of yet. So none of them are being disavowed, in other words. That, but they're not totally functional. One of them is used and actually is more functional, and it operates computer programs that work not in just like an input-output, zero and one kind of method, but a quantum computer where it controls 
real-time device, uh, not real, non-real-time devices that are not doing manufacturing, but solving formulas and problems, which they use to secure passwords. And guess what they do? They're trying to secure these passwords with this program, and they don't know everything about it, and yet they're using it. The whole world is, and every country, the big countries especially, like China, Russia, America, and et cetera, are trying to figure out more about these theories to make sure that nobody gets the heads on them, because if they do, they'll break into their system and get all their information. So yeah, well, that's what they're doing right now, and it's been going on for a few years, obviously, but so there's a lot to that that's going on. Another neat part of this whole thing is not only is this vacuum in space uh, study of how this is, how can this be, is they're saying there must be something in here, like between my hands. There must be something in here. What is this stuff? You ever notice when you look out at the world, you see that fuzz, right? You see dots like little fuzz. Don't you see little everywhere? Have you ever thought about that as a kid? Like, why do I have to see fuzz? Why can't I just see colors and stuff, right? And then I, then I concluded, oh, it must be the dust in the air and the bugs and the skin particles, they say, you know, and stuff like that. Well, now this... Uh, has actually become a study in itself going off this theory about this other thing because they're saying if there's reactions like that, there's more reactions between here. And they're real imperceptible small amounts. But what they're basically coming to a conclusion is that they don't know enough. And the uh, scientists actually said in their verbiage, it's going to have to be something we learn intuitively. Meaning they're saying, God's going to need to tell us because we know there's more, we can detect more, and we know that this, the more that we're detecting is more than what this is. In fact, in between the cells of my skin is more than what my cells of my skin are. It's really crazy when you read their reports and stuff how much this interspace there is. But they're being pickied by this. I love it. It's like God is forcing them into a situation to recognize him. And isn't that interesting for such a time as this, where everybody's pushing away from God as hard as they possibly can in every way. It's like they're removing everything they can possibly stand on to have God. It's like the guy standing on the, the roof of his house watching the flood come, and he won't take any out that comes to him. You know, the boat comes and the helicopter, you know that story. But he won't take it because... It's not solving the mystery of what's in this space. You know what I mean? It's, it's that kind of thinking where we don't want to, we don't want to touch. We want to be touched. We want God to come down and touch us. There are Christians who are regular, going to church, loving God, speaking in tongue Christians who are waiting to be touched by God before they do anything, before they step out in faith. And we're alive in here as a remnant, a very few small, tiny warrior remnant trying to be those that shows that's not how life is. This is not right. You are doing it wrong. You will not be satisfied. You will not get an answer. In fact, Mr. Scientist, one, two, three, or four, if you really want the answer, you need to get a relationship with God and ask him, and he'll tell you. He will. I absolutely guarantee it. I've asked him a million questions, and he's answered every single one. And I thought I was really pulling a good one on him sometimes. I love it. I love it. It's true. Me telling you doesn't do you squat, okay? But me, you know, living it might. You never know. <laughs> so let me see if I had any cool stuff I want to say before I finish. How much time do I got? Four minutes. All right. Anyone want to say anything while I... No? Okay, I did all that. I made it to the last page, y'all. All right. Okay, Exodus 12, 13. should be on your paper, right? And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. God, I love that. Right where you are, where you're living. And the blood shall be to you for a token. Jesus was our token. Upon the house where you are, they added are, where you, meaning God will touch you when you reach out to be touched. He's not going to force you. He's not going to force his touch. And this is just a scripture talking about what happened back in Exodus. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Ooh, dog. When I see Jesus on you, when you say yes to Jesus, I will pass the great trail from coming over you. 
And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. And when I smite the land of Egypt, the world. So God is saying, when I see you partner with the blood, I'm going to move. I am going to move, 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 baby. And so we can sing praise in the front of that army easily because we know this. Yet it could not be seen at any time or place except for if you become this remnant type personality where you're willing to accept that you don't know it all and that your pride isn't going to get you through. Matthew 27, 24. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this person. See ye to it. See ye. Look at me. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. And it was. And it is. And it's something they can still be grafted out of. If we go back to the scriptures in Roman, he's talking about that in great detail. It sounds complicated, but if you look at it in the, maybe use a different translation to help yourself, but there's plenty of books that'll teach you what that really means to be regrafted in. It's not, you're not out of, out of luck ever, no matter how bad you think it is. We are the end time saints. We have the freedom to buy, blindly trust God, if you want to put it that way, but we're not blind at all. By merely asking, we are empowered. Even asking without knowing the sounds to make, speaking in tongues. We can get answers. We can get what we need. We are getting empowered. We can be praising the Lord in the front of the armies. What better proof than our hearts, knowing before our minds, like Mary and Jesus, Mary went out with her heart. Hey, I know Jesus. I know God. I know we can fix this problem. Woo, 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 let's do this. And Jesus is like, um, that's your heart speaking. Let's use our soul, spirit, and mind to link up here. It has to be God, okay? Good intentions. You got two out of three, but there's one more guy. <laughs> what better comparison than seeing it in all of nature? And I just use trees, and there's so much more. Check out fig trees. Fig trees, very interesting. What better joy than seeing it in each other all the time? What better joy than enjoying him forever in every creative way that is? If you look for it to be creative in what it really is saying, you'll see it is. We are seated into the purpose of the Father and his identity as agape. It is what restoring is. Agape is the purpose of being the restorative ones. Like Jesus, we're doing what he did. We're being holy. Oh, I can't be holy. I'm a mess. You don't know. Yes, if you keep walking forward, you'll be holy with God. We each have our own little cosmos that we're in. We're trying to reach out to this thirsty world. It's a unique process, unknown to earthly eyes, and we need to reveal it. You are filled with eyes within eyes. Look at the scripture in Revelation that talks about those spirits, and it'll give you a new insight into what that spirit is like. I loved it. That bring the becoming of all things. We are teaching by being extensions of God's heart. Lord, I thank you and thank you, your saints, for knowing your heart, for walking this path into the world that you brought about in its unknowing and in its lack, that you made it for us for such a time as this, and that we will rise and fall in step with you with open hearts, expanding the path for each and every person we meet. Let your grace and peace anoint their minds, wills, and emotions. We declare in the name of the Lord Jesus, our brother. Amen.